Hey everybody, we're live. This is the Savage Gentleman Podcast, and I have with me none other none other than J.R. Baker. J.R. is a man. He is a man of many talents, and uh, we're going to be talking about answering the call. And um, J.R., tell us a little bit more about yourself. Oh, where to begin? Um, well, back in 19... 19- <laughs> Back in uh, 1977, I came forth from my mom. Um, that's where it all began. Um, I'm thinking of like Chunk and Goonies, where he starts to just tell everything that's ever happened. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's a good <laughs> No, I mean, I am a very complex individual in one sense. Um, I was a college basketball player. I'm an athlete. I was a pastor. I'm still a pastor, just not currently at a church, but pastor, preacher, scholar, academic, um, I just have a lot of things that I, I really enjoy really diving into, uh, but I've never been super big, aside from the sports background, big into a lot of what one would call manly stuff. Well, and basketball is not a super manly sport. It's true. It's true. Um, neither soccer, right? I right. Mean, yeah. I mean, let's, be, yeah. let's face it. Okay. No, no, no. Truth be told, man, I was watching, um, I saw some highlights from Sean Kemp back in the day. <sighs> That monster. dude, oh my gosh. Like, you talk monster. about just like peak physical human performance. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, we can, especially as a wrestler, it's like really easy to rag on <laughs> basketball players and baseball players and basically anyone who doesn't play, who, who didn't wrestle or, you know, if you don't fight or do a combat sport. Yeah. But man, it, it takes a ton of athleticism, a t- ton of dedication. And so, you know, I, I think I think it's just something that guys do where we just rib on other guys other. yeah mm-hmm. that's part of it man yeah. um but yeah i, I am, i've never been and i've tried it trust me i've tried um the fishing and the hunting and uh, when i was engaged to my wife now um her dad's a big hunter and so he was part of a hunt club close to where we lived so i was like i'm gonna go out i'm gonna win over you know yeah win over my girl's dad and so we went out duck hunting and you know, you get the stuff on and you're sitting in the blind and it's, you know, six in the morning and it's freezing and you're in this blind and they're eating beef jerky and the ducks come over and they just start taking out all these ducks and the ducks are just falling from the sky. And then the dog goes out to get the ducks and brings them back. And half the time the ducks aren't dead yet, mm-hmm. you know, so they have to wring their neck or beat them on the side of the blind or the dog takes them out. And I'm just... Like it's everything in me not to just You're like mortified. start you crying just... right there in front of my father-in-law and his bros. And I'm like, why don't the ducks get guns? You know, I'm just like losing it. Um, I've, I've tried. I just Can you imagine if if we if we armed animals, we armed though? just armed That'd be a them. terrible idea. You know what that would be like? That would be like if dinosaurs were still in existence. You know what our lives would be like? It would be very difficult. It'd be terrible. <laughs> So I did, I've tried it. I've tried the hunting, the fishing, the camping. I've tried it all, and I just – none of them are my forte. Um, but I want to learn more about something that's going on inside of me that I can tap into those things, like, if need be. Yeah. You know? um, and I think that's a big part of this this journey I'm on right now, um, why I'm doing the boxing mm-hmm. thing. There's things I want to tap into to really see what's in there. It's just never been extracted before because I've only stayed in certain lanes right. in which we've talked about. Those lanes usually are the lanes that you're naturally good at. You stay yep. in those lanes always. as opposed to jumping into something yeah. else. So yeah. 
that's what I'm hoping to do is jump into some other lanes and learn more about who I am and what's inside of me um, and watch the, the good stuff come out. And, and for those of you who don't know, um, JR has recently started working with us um, and I've been teaching him some boxing. We've got uh, just a quick like intro, very like day, literally day one. Yeah. Um, we're, we're documenting his journey. And so we show him just working on some of the stuff and we're going to continue to show that progress but um, yeah, you know, we talked about this a while ago where you're like, hey man, look, I know you're involved in a lot of stuff. Um, I, want to, I want to learn more about that. And I think that that's a, something that we fail to do, to do often is to recognize where we're weak. Yeah. And actually you know, have the self-awareness to say, hey man, this is an area that I'm not amazing at. Um, I, need to, I need to work on this. Yeah. Um, and then, and then actually take the steps to do it. Cause then the, the next hardest part is to say, okay, um, <laughs> I need to do this. I, I'll do it next week or, right. you know, the week after yeah. or whenever. And that, and then it becomes never right. We don't even, right. We don't even, we never get started. Sorry. I'm playing with audio. Oh, you're good. Here. Play with all that audio. No, there, there, there's kind of two phases to the very difficult aspects of doing anything we're not naturally good at. And the first phase is the starting component. Yep. Like that's super difficult for most people to start anything they're not naturally good at or naturally enjoy. Obviously, that's not difficult to start something that you're going to enjoy, to start something that you like, to start something that you're easy, it's easy to you. But to start something that's very uncomfortable and not natural is just hard for everyone. We put it off, we put it off, we put it off. We procrastinate, we make excuses, we decide we're going to do this other thing instead. Um, so the starting phase is super difficult. Once you start, then the next phase, which is arguably, depending on who you talk to, even more difficult, and that's the just keep going phase. Mm -hmm. Like you just keep going. Um, you persevere, you put one foot in front of the other, and you look up and two years down the road, you're like, wow, I can't believe I was I was there and I'm here. Right. But you have to just keep going. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in the first week. It takes time, and you persevere, and you just keep going. I, I think that's where we overcomplicate things, right, where it, it really is pretty simple of just putting one fit, foot in front of the other. Yeah. But we, I think we tend to look too far down the road, and we – Man, we, we, we get lost in the sauce, right? Yeah. We, we get It's paralysis by analysis. And so if we do manage to actually get started, then instead of just left foot, right foot, we're looking a thousand yards down the road and it's like, man, this is this is impossible. There's yeah. no way. And then, and then it's very easy to then stumble and fall because we're not paying attention right. to you know, what's directly in front of us. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, it, it, it seems simple, but it's actually – hard to to follow through yeah. and then and then you know and then i guess the third most difficult part would be finishing yeah and i would i would submit that there is there is no finishing there is no, there is finish. no end to right. the process i mean until you're until you, they put you in the ground like you should still you should be constantly right improving in, yeah. in different areas when i think what's really interesting is if you think of anything you've contemplated starting before so like me for example wanting to start boxing. I've been talking about starting boxing for years, right? So if I just stop today and I'm on day three and it's frustrating and it's hard and, you know, it's all super foreign and I'm learning. But if I think back, what if I would have started 
seven years ago when I actually wanted to start. When you first came to mind. I'd be seven years into this thing. I mean, can you imagine where I'd be today had I started seven years ago? Um, and you think you'd be, about you'd be where I am. I'd be where you are. Essentially, I'd be I would be an expert, right? I would be the best possible because it all takes us seven years you to would, become the best possible. You would be the okayest, the um, okayest. boxer to ever step in the cage. <laughs> right. Is what you would be. I think if, it's if you were me. I think it's just like there. There's we always look and we're like, man, this is gonna take forever. But if we would have started when we first thought about starting that thing. And we'd, we'd be there today. We would have already arrived, but we keep putting it off, keep putting it off, keep putting it off um, to where hopefully I started this now. And hopefully I can look back in five years and be like, wow, I'm so glad I started that then because yeah. look where I am now. Well, you're, you'll look back and you'll say that you started at the bottom and then now you're slightly above the slightly bottom. Slightly above the bottom. <laughs> it's, but, but that's true because it's a lifelong discipline. you know. And I think going back to the original talk about calling, I think that's – the, the trickiest thing for anyone to understand about calling. Great segue. Look at you. I don't, is, I don't even need to be here. You know what? I'll just spin <laughs> you up and let you go, man. You got this. Is that if we correlate calling with results, then we're always going to be frustrated. We're always going to be failing. Yeah. Because it, because when we do that, we, we correlate, okay, here, here's my calling. And to achieve that calling means I need to achieve said results. X, Y, or Z. You X, have y, a benchmark. You right. know, you've looked into the future and said, okay – this is what success means. I've done this, right. this, and this. And so when you don't hit those, then all of a sudden you're spiraling and you start to question everything about your calling because you've correlated your calling with these said results. Mm -hmm. Versus if there's a calling, there's a calling, period. Like this is your calling no matter what. No matter what the results look like, no matter how long it takes to get there, you're going to be doing this the rest of your life. But because it's a calling, it will always be there no matter what. But as soon as you start correlating it with specific results, then you create this almost recipe for failure yeah. that you're constantly going to be failing or being let down. Or worse of all, say you hit those results. Now what? Well, I guess <coughs> I get I guess I achieved my calling. Now what? Right. And then there, then there's this void of like, well, crap, now what do I do? Because I thought this is what my calling was was to reach this pinnacle or this moment or this result. And that's not what it's about. <laughs> Calling is a lifelong journey that you implement into many different facets of your life. You just have to discover what all those different facets are as you're going along throughout the journey. And, and I think it's very easy to make our make our success, you know, objective driven, right? And and apply that to our calling where it's like, okay, in order for me to be successful, it has to be these things. Right. Um and, and and I think that that's a trap that it's easy to fall into. I mean, yeah. I know for myself, with fighting in particular, um, you know, I, I I set out and it's like, okay, I want to achieve this, this, and this. My calling is to be a fighter, right? right? I, I I knew that, I felt that, and that was the path that I needed to be on. And in my mind, I had kind of concocted that this is the only way, measurable way, to define successively pursuing that, right? Right, right? and. And, and at a certain point, you know, I kind of realized as I met more and more benchmarks that it was never enough, right. you know. And, and my wife actually sat me down and she's like, okay, so you say, you know, so you 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 fought in Bellator, you fought all over the world, you know, you've you've held some titles, you've had championship fights, you've won belts, whatever. And it's like, okay, so then 
you know, what's the next step from that? And it's like, well, you know, bigger organizations, more meaningful titles. She's like, okay, so now you're, you're the UFC champion. Then what? It's like, well, then my next objective is to win, you know, be the winningest champion. Right. 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 And, and, and it, and it never ends. And she's like, well, she's like, so basically what I'm hearing is you're never going to be satisfied. Yeah. And that man, that was like such a, a kick in the teeth and to that realization of like, Man, I'm I'm going about this all the wrong way. Right. This has been very, you know, objective driven. And that's not to say that we shouldn't have goals. Oh, right. Absolutely. We certainly should set goals for ourselves, but that can't be the only driving factor. And like yeah. you said, your calling is your calling, and to for the most part we don't really know necessarily the how or the why. Yeah. That's the part where we get mixed up, you know, cuz in my mind it's like, well, this pathway of fighting is going to lead me to hopefully be the the best fighter that the world has ever known. And it's like, well, actually, the pathway of fighting has led me to right here in this moment. Right. Were it not for fighting, there would be no savage gentleman. I wouldn't be here sitting doing right. this podcast for you. For whatever that's worth, I yeah. don't know. Right. You know, but all that stuff ha- – and I would could have never in a million years guessed that – my fight career would lead me to Utah, would lead me to get associated with the people that I'm now friends with right. and do this thing that I'm doing now, Yeah, which I love. I mean, right. and I'm, I'm very happy with this place, but there were parts of my fighting career where, where I really second guess, like, man, what am I doing? Like, man, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm going to win that world title. I don't think I'm going to get to that level. This was all for naught. Right. What a waste. I should just, you know, hang up the gloves and go, go back to teaching you know, middle school. Right. That's, that is a calling right there. Well, that is a calling. And I realized, school. I realized that was not <laughs> my calling per se. I mean, I think, I think that there was, and there is, you know, some <sighs> teaching component to what I'm supposed Absolutely. to be doing. Yeah. But I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that, that middle school or high school is no. where I belong. Nor for me. Um, no, I, and I think that there's a lot of inner, inner searching, like inner exploration that, that has to happen when you start to look at, okay, if my calling is fill in the blank, like that can, that can be confused what you already mentioned it with ambition and goals and, um, results that can be, those things can get very confusing. If my calling is to be a fighter, obviously you're going to have ambition, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. Drive is a good thing. A competitive nature is a good thing. Goals are a good thing. Results are a good thing. Those are all part of the calling. But when you identify those as the calling, then there's this weird Mm. thing going on constantly in your life that makes you always kind of second guess, is this a calling? Is this not a calling? And then you get the lovely people in your life, like your wife, who kicks you in the teeth and says, hey, you're never going to be satisfied because your calling is actually being confused with your results, your ambition, your goals. Which, again, there's nothing wrong with all of those things. You just cannot make those your calling, or then your life's just going to be this emotional roller coaster that's super weird. I mean, not to get too deep into my own journey, but I have a calling as, as a pastor, as a preacher, as a leader. That's that's part of who I am. That's part mm-hmm. of who I've been for a long time. Um, and part of that calling was to move to Utah, move to Salt Lake City to start a church, um, which I'm no longer a part of. Had my calling been correlated with the results of that church, when I was no longer correlated with that church, my life would have crumbled. That's it. Game over, man. Game over. I would have started second-guessing everything. Did I miss it? Did I miss my call? Am I totally going down the wrong path? Have I wasted the last 
20 years of my life and spiraling into this weird depression because I had correlated my calling with specific results. But because I didn't do that, the church is no longer a part of my life, but I'm still on this path that is part of my calling. That's just like, okay, I learned, I grew, things happened that I'm thankful for, but now I'm here and that's, that's fine. Um, I think that's where so many people get bogged down with their calling is as soon as it starts to go in a way that they didn't picture it or script it out, mm-hmm. then they kind of lose their grip on everything they thought was real. And that's where it gets really like tragic because you see people yeah. lose themselves and go way off the deep end because they had this this set path that my calling will look like this. And when it doesn't, what happens to them? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's bad. I mean, I think tragic is the best way to describe that. And I think... You know, so let's let's rewind it. Um, first of all, how do we recognize that calling to begin with? To even yeah. start on that path, like how do we how do we know? And and I don't know that there's going to be a nice, easy, uh, clean answer. It's like, well, how do you know when you're in love, right? Right. You, you, you just know, you know. know, right? But you know, the the question of how does you know how do we how do we figure out what that calling is? Yeah. You know, how do we recognize that so that we can even start? And then we'll get into, you know, the, the, the part that you're talking about of distinguishing and, and realizing like, hey, when the path deviates, I can still stay on that call. Right. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, I think there's there is for me, obviously, there's a faith aspect to it. For me, being a pastor, mm-hmm. there's a faith component to where, you know, I, I obviously felt like there was this this God aligning mm-hmm. thing for my life that that's what it was. But that's unique to obviously a, a faith background. If that's not where you're coming from, then that obviously would not necessarily apply to you. So I think you can almost um, reverse diagnosis, reverse diagnose it. And what I mean by that is just like I talked about, sometimes we get our, our calling confused with the results and the ambition and the goals. Um, when you look at whatever it is you're thinking about, well, I don't know, maybe could my calling be a fighter? Could my calling be... Um, you know, a teacher, could my calling be a fill in the blank? Or is that question contingent upon how it plays out? So, so for me, that's one very easy way to know if it's a calling or not it is, are you only happy with that end goal is if the results line up this way, this way, and this mm. way. Um, if the results don't matter to you and you're like, no, this is what I'm supposed to do. Period. It doesn't matter if I end up at a high school or a middle school. It doesn't matter if I end up in Utah or Texas. It doesn't matter if I end up making eighty thousand a year or twenty thousand a year. It doesn't really matter because I know I'm supposed to be a teacher. Yeah. Period. But if you start looking at it and you think, well, actually, like if I don't get this kind of job and this kind of city and this kind of school district making this much money, then I'm not really all about it. I, it's probably not a calling. Yeah. When you when you start quantifying it, right? right. You start putting up well. You know, referring it back to like knowing when you're in love, right? It's that unconditional thing where it's like it doesn't matter, you know, they don't have to meet these necessary criteria. It's like I I love this person unconditionally no matter what they do. Right. I love this calling, this pursuit, this endeavor. Right. No matter, you know, if it's here or if it's there, if it's – man, I think that that's really powerful. And I think, you know, because we're a very objective-driven society, you know. The outward, I mean, look at look at social media. I mean, right. you know, you're only you're only as good as how many followers you have, right? right? <clears throat> that's our value. That's our net worth. 
And so we're constantly looking at these external sources for positive feedback for what we're doing. Right. Um, and, and I think that that's a very easy trap to fall into. So being cognizant of, okay, am I, will I still be happy with this despite these things? I think that that's, that's a, that's a great way to tell if that is the way to go. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you think about it, if, if, <laughs> if it is a calling of yours, A, it should probably breathe life into you. You know, yeah. it, it should probably give you life. I mean, it mm-hmm. shouldn't be taking life from you constantly. That probably just so crushing. If that is what you're doing, then maybe you need to rethink your calling. Because that's probably not what now not, I'm not saying it's not gonna be hard sometimes. I mean I'm sure fighting has been brutal at times. Easy. Um, <laughs> I you know, I, if this this is actually harder for me than fighting. Yeah. <clears throat> the, like not the podcast, but just the business. Right. The like fighting is easy, man. You wake up, you train, rinse and repeat, and then every couple of months you you go and compete, and you sometimes know, you get your head kicked. Sometimes in. you you know it doesn't go your way, but then you pull yourself up by the bootstraps. And it's simple, man. Right, like, right, right. Like it's just you just you put in the work. You train, yeah. you know, but the problem is, is it's a longevity thing. You can't do it indefinitely. Right. This man, there's so many more facets. There's so many more things I have to deal with other people. Like if I have a problem in the gym with somebody, it's really easy to sort that out. Right. You know, yeah. but if I have a problem in the office, you know, <laughs> well, guess what, man? I've got to deploy some different methods that uh, I may not be as accustomed to. You Confrontation's know? the uh, it really I'm, and I'm terrible as a guy who gets into fist fights I hate confrontation so much just pulling them in the office come here we need to have a talk ah it's the worst yeah it's the worst so so for me like the the comfort zone was actually staying in fighting that that right. was the world that I knew I mean I've spent my life as an athlete competing right you know from wrestling as a young buck to wrestling in college to fighting you know competitively for over 10 years now that's what I knew this was a departure, yeah. you know, and that, that was scary for yeah. me. Um, I don't know where we were going with that. No, no. It's, I mean, I, I think, I think the thing for me about calling it, again, calling can be, you know, it can be take on a, a life of its own in many very different ways. I think for me, I see it as a big thing. I mean, we're talking about calling. We're talking about like a life calling. You only get one this life. This is what you were creating. You know, this is do. what you're made to do. Um, then I think it, it it probably should be something that um, pushes you. You know, it should be something that isn't just isn't just like laying on the beach every day. Like like it should be something that challenges mm. you and pushes you to be better. Um, if this is your lifelong ambition, this is what you're made to do. It's going to be kind of that um, you know iron sharpens iron thing. It's going to make you better. It's going to force you to become more than you were yesterday. Um, I think that should probably be a component of it as well. That, that if you're really thinking about your calling, it shouldn't just be this super easy walk in the park constantly. Um, I think it should be something that, that forces you to grow, to develop, to get better. Um, that should be part of it. If this is like your lifelong thing, I think it should challenge you and push you. So you don't think just playing video games all day should be my calling? I mean, uh, now that it's a you know job and a career for people, <clears throat> I don't know. Some serious money. <laughs> serious money. Um, I, I think for me, it's it's it'll always be not my place to judge whether this is your calling or not. You know, you're gonna figure that out for yourself. I, no, you're a pastor. I'm pretty sure that is your. That job. is. <laughs> Tell me what to do. Tell you what to do. Yeah, isn't that what um, they come to I you? I think that is. Problems. That's why you get paid the big bucks. Yeah, and sure. then you you talk to God real quick. Yep. Hang on. 
Let me run this through. Okay, so here's what he said. Yeah. Is that well, how that works? It, it kind of – when you're a pastor of a church, you do have a direct line to God. But when you're not working for a church, you get put into the call center. Oh, And no. it takes time. And That's yeah, they, brutal. They do the – if they this is back. your number, I'll call back. Yeah. Oh, so, so I'm not as quick on that mm. as I once was. But no, I, I Seven think, to ten business days. <laughs> yes. I yeah. think the thing with calling for <laughs> me I think that is so fascinating is that y- – no one can tell you what your calling is. Like I can't make you come up with a calling. Like you have to come to that yourself. And and joking aside, as a pastor, that's a lot of people will come to me and ask me, like, what is my calling? Like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Um, and I don't know. I, I can't figure that out for you. You have to go inside and figure out what is in here that needs to come out that the world around me will be better for because I tap into that. Um, and it can look like anything. Like it really can look like anything. Um, and one thing that's, that's – this could be a whole other podcast probably. But does your calling always have to line up with what your job is? Right. Like obviously for, for, for me, for, for the most part, fortunately they lined up. I was a pastor and that was my job. Great. I'm not working at a church right now. I still feel called to be a pastor. So what does that look like? Like do I just go get a job and my job is just my job? to make money to put food on the table. My calling is this other thing, you know? Obviously when you were fighting regularly, mm-hmm. that was your job. Um, but now that you're not fighting regularly, that's still your calling. So what does a job look like in correlation to the calling? Um, Cause for some of us, like our calling and our job will line up perfectly. I'm called to be a teacher. That's obviously a job done. The rest of my life, that's what I'll do. Um, but for others, maybe that's not it. Maybe the job and the calling don't line up. So what does that look like? How does that play itself out? Well, and even as a teacher, right? I mean, you, you eventually you're going to retire. Right. Well, then what? I, again, just, well, I'm done. I'm done teaching. Right. I'm useless. And, right. and, and actually people really struggle with this yeah. when they have a calling and their career in that calling is over. Right. They're like, well, how do I keep doing? How do I keep doing the thing? That's why so many athletes really struggle to retire when yeah. they probably should have retired. Right. Because they don't know they, what life looks not. like outside of this. Right. Right. Yeah. So we go back to what we know, um, and, and 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 I think that that really makes makes things difficult, and that's where people start to struggle. Um, and, and I think that maybe a failure of recognizing what their calling is. But and, and that you can still achieve that in a different way, that, that basically facilitating or living out your calling doesn't have to look like what you thought right. it was going to look yeah. like. Yeah. You know, and going back to what you had said earlier where it's, you know, now you're, you're, your life as a pastor is not the way you envisioned it, but you're still doing it. Right. You're still growing. You're still living out that life, but it's in a very different, right. you know – arena than you that you thought it would be well again that goes back to the the it being driven by results or not is it driven by a specific expectation or not if it's your calling then no matter what it looks like it's still going to be your calling Uh, but if you have it contingent upon these specific (laughs) results then when those results aren't happening then you really start to struggle and question oh no is this my calling did i miss it did i lose it Um, for me personally not being at a church anymore i still pastor all the time. I'm still pastoring friends. I'm still pastoring relationships. I'm You're still literally pastoring right now. Right now. As you know? we speak. So it has nothing to do with <laughs> how I put food on the table. It has nothing to do with what my income is. It has to do with what's inside of me coming out to benefit the world around me. Um, and I think that's just a very simple thing that isn't very simple to live out. 
for everyone to think about, okay, is my calling contingent upon the results of the calling, or is it just no matter what, this is who I am, this is what I'll do. I mean, teachers will teach the rest of their life. You know, fighters, there's a component to you that there. that's whether you're doing it, whether you're teaching it, whether you're helping somebody else, what, it's part of who you are. You can't deny that. It has nothing to do with what belt you're holding or how the last fight went. Mm-hmm. It's just in you. It's part of what happens. Um, and I think that's that's going back to the question of how do you know if it's your calling or not. I mean, is it is it in you? It is, is it something that you'll do no matter what for life? This is just in you and it's going to come out. Yeah. So going back to your athletic career as a collegiate basketball player, I would imagine that at some point in your life you felt like that was your calling. Right. Basketball was, you know, the end all be all. You know, how did you come to grips with transitioning out of that into something else? Yeah. You know, and following the the true path. Right. Or, I mean, I think basketball was obviously still part of your path. Right. But how did you make the the next step? Because sometimes we want to cling on to what we know, right? right? And we don't want to go to the next thing, which is arguably bigger and better. Right. Because it's unfamiliar territory. It's very scary out there. Yeah, I think that question actually dives into a a much more complex aspect of calling, and that is all of our callings – there are going to be multiple multiple elements to that calling that enable that calling to actually happen. So, for example, my calling is to love people, pastor people, walk through life with people, influence people, impact people in a positive way. That's my calling. Um, I, for the longest time, didn't understand that basketball was an element of that calling. Like the calling to the umbrella basketball was under there it was yeah, what part is of what that. is raining threes have to do <laughs> so when i so when i played college basketball i thought that was what that was the calling i was gonna be a basketball player who play d1 ball i was gonna go when i thought i was gonna grow more i was gonna go to the <laughs> nba when i stopped growing i'm gonna go overseas and play ball but that's what i was gonna do i was gonna be the basketball player that influenced people by playing basketball um, when I realized that, that – and again, this came for me through through my faith background, through a relationship with Jesus. That's where that came from. But for me, it was like, hey, you're not supposed to be a college basketball player. You're supposed to be a, a pastoral figure who happens to also play basketball. And it's just tweaking that. It's not I'm a basketball player who happens to like be a pastor. It's that pastoring is my calling who happens to use basketball. So when I lived in L.A., um, worked, I was working at a church in North Hollywood – um, it was this up-and-coming service, and we were always trying to get like new young people to, to come to this service. And so I would go play basketball in the inner city where it would just be me and my best friend. We're the only white guys in the entire gym. And because I was actually really good at basketball, I would go into these gyms. I would earn a rep in these gyms. They'd call me like the pastor. You know, I'd come in there, and I'd just hoop. And all these guys, they, they I garnered their respect. I garnered their um, their acknowledgement that I mean, this guy's for real. And so from that, then I'm like, Hey, y'all think I, I can hoop. Y'all should come hear me preach. And then these guys would come to church. And so in that, I started to see like, okay, basketball is just a tool yeah. to, um, to highlight the actual bigger <laughs> picture of my calling. And so I'd go to these rec centers. I'd go to these, you know, street park courts. I'd go and I'd ball and I'd meet these guys and I'd bring them to church. And then they'd see like what, what I was really all about was being this pastor. 
And so it took me a long time to realize that. It took me a long time to let go. But but the letting go was all about the results. Mm -hmm. It goes back to the results thing. I wanted basketball to look like, you know, national champions, big time scholarship, making money. When I realized the results didn't matter because it was part of a bigger picture, then basketball became way more enjoyable. I could just go do it and be who God made me to be, hooping, and then bring those people to to my church and hear me preach. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so that was just a component of the calling. It so became you, the vehicle of delivery. Absolutely, which is like you with fighting. Like fighting is is your calling, but now you're using that mm -hmm. to do this job, to do this business, to teach others, to bring people into something they never thought they could come into. Because you have this calling, now there's all these different facets of your calling yeah. that you're able to utilize uh, to bring people into it. So I think that's what's a beautiful picture of calling. Well, and, and, and the, the other thing too for me is like, you know, fighting allows me to still have this street credibility while looking like a full-blown hipster. Right, <laughs> right. Um, which yeah, is important in this day and important. age. It's you very know, important. Without that, I would just be just a some hipster. other bearded dude that wears flannel and has reclaimed wood. And is, wants to live uh, in Portland. And wants, <laughs> you know? Exactly. I mean, so you have this other aspect to it, which gives you credibility to all that. Which is, stuff. yeah. Exactly. No, I mean, and I think that's, again, we, we keep talking about calling. How do you know it's your calling? I think when you have a calling, you'll start to see all these other gifts you have in your life all start to accentuate what that big picture calling is. They all kind of play a part in that. So, so now I, I wanna I wanna flip this on its head a little bit because we were talking about this the other day, and you know, as an athlete who is driven, who wants to succeed, who wants to do their absolute best, and I think that that's important, right? Right. How how do we balance that? Hey, you know, this is my calling. This isn't – it's not results driven, but yet at the same time still continue to push to work hard because those are two conflicting ideologies, right? And so how do you find that balance of you know, that, that – we, we used um, the Michael Jordan, LeBron right. James right. comparison, right? Be a good person and do this for the altruistic aspect, the right. LeBron, right? Or the Michael Jordan, just absolute savage, I'm going to be the best on the planet. Right. Everything else be damned. Right. Where, how, do you, how do you sort that out? Well, again, I, th I think if you – I mean I haven't talked to LeBron lately, but I think if you talk to LeBron, he would probably say – We'll get him on the show <laughs> next time. He would probably say like I, I have done the best that I can do. I am doing the best that I can do. I think the trick comes in again when we base it upon the results of it. So so if, if your goal is to be the very best and do the very best you can do, that's your goal. Now that is a goal regardless of how it looks, regardless of what results it play out. That's different than my goal is to be the very best I can be and also accomplish this, do this, accomplish this, and do this. But that's that's really hard because that requires me to actually – objectively look inside and say, have I done my absolute best? And I have to give a very real assessment of my efforts and energy. I don't have that kind of time, man. I just want to look, I just want to look at the chart and see if I got enough gold stars. Yes. That is the problem with our world. <laughs> I mean, it just is that, yeah. that, that we don't, we don't want to have any self accountability. We don't want to have any, um, it's on me to actually do what I say I'm going to do. I mean, it's why, you know, you have the whole this huge dilemma in our school systems 
where kids aren't learning and growing and learning all what it means to be competitive, what it means to lose, what it means to not get a, an A on a paper because parents are coming in and complaining that you treated my kid wrongly and yada, yada, all these things that are happening. When I lived in LA, this was 15 years ago, um, I want to say it was in Malibu, their high school football team hadn't won a game in like years. Um, and I was like, why, why is that? Like, I'm sure there's some pretty decent athletes out here. Like why? And, and they told me because up until high school, so elementary school, junior high and all their like YMCA leagues and all that kind of stuff, they didn't keep score. Huh. It was just like, it was just for, it was just, Hey, let's get out of here and have fun let's and run learn how to play. And so they never learned how to compete and how to lose. So when it actually mattered, yeah, they never won. So what you mean that they actually performed worse <laughs> because of that? And so I that think is shocking. that is shocking. I um, can't believe that not that holding the not holding people accountable actually was detrimental. And so I think huh. it's something that we're not we're not learning. Like we're not learning as humans. We're not learning to grow up and how to lose and how to take defeat and how to take a loss well. And and again, that iron sharpens iron. That's how you get stronger. That's how you get better. Is when you get beat, when you get defeated, when you get punched in the face. You learn how to take a hit and learn from it and grow and overcome it and get better for it. And so when your goal is, I'm going to be the very best I can be. Yeah, that's, that's hard because you actually have to be accountable to that. Um, versus if your goal is simply to, I'm going to do 12 pushups today. Cool. Knocked it out. Easily quantifiable. Great. Check the box. Done. But that's not going to ever grow you and make you better, make you stronger. But when you say I'm going to be the very best I can be today, um, you're going to go for that and you're going to hold yourself accountable. And you're going to have actually, ideally, maybe this is what the League of Savage Gentlemen can do. Then you have people that can hold you accountable to that. So it's like, hey, here's my goal is I want to be the very best I can be in fill in the blank. And to do that, here are the things I'm going to do to make that happen. And then you're checking up on me like, hey – you know, did you get three rounds of three minutes, you know, shadow about boxing to the gym? Because you said you were going to do that because that was going to be the best you you're going to be. Did you do it? Then I have to actually be accountable to that. Um, but we don't want to do that. No. Nobody wants to be accountable. No. Well, being accountable opens the door for failure, right? right? And being accountable to other people actually opens the door to scrutiny and other people seeing us failing, which is absolute the worst thing that right. could ever happen. Right. Um, my... I never really in fighting. I never really cared. Um, I, I, I can't say that. I did care about losing. I never wanted to lose, but more so than losing is I. I never wanted to look like I was terrible. Right. Like it's way more palatable to to go out on your shield. You know what I mean? And have a, a hell of a fight. Um, you lay it all out on the line, and you just come up short, as opposed to just going out there and laying down like a dead dog. Like you've never, right. like you've never actually trained a day in your life. Like that was one of my biggest fear is just I was going to go out there and I was going to perform so terribly, you know, so terribly that, that that people were like, oh my gosh, I thought this guy was good. Right. And 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 that's that that thought process is something that is pure purely made up in our mind. We completely yeah. make that up. Yeah. Um, we fabricate that. But but that voice can be very powerful and it can keep us from stepping out and doing those things and showcasing our faults but we have to you know we have to risk yeah. not getting the trophy in order to get better and and I think we have conditioned ourselves to and done a disservice to like well I just I only want to do the things where I know I'm going to get a trophy yeah. and if I don't get the trophy I'm just not going to do it right well and, and maybe this is super risky to say to uh -oh. a a a group full of badasses, but um, can you say 
S's on here? You can say whatever you want. Okay. Um, maybe it's risky to say. You're but, the pastor, man. But, You're the one who sets the I, bar. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to, to keep it. I, I think there is, and I don't know if this is the same for this kind of group, but to the world in general, to, to normal people, to people that we all interact with every day of the week, um, there might not be anything more attractive than um, humility and admitting that you don't have it all together. Like that's that's just a welcoming thing. Like wow, like I want to know this person. I want to be with this person. I want to hang with this person. I want to learn from this person because they're not coming off as this pompous jackass who thinks they have everything figured out. Um, that is a very appealing quality, especially for men, to to learn and grab hold of. Is that it's okay to to fail. It's okay to admit that like, I don't know everything. I'm not perfect. I haven't figured it all out. That's, that's an okay thing. And it actually welcomes more people into our journey, which in turn allows us to help them even more because they feel comfortable coming into our journey and learning from us. Cause they don't think we're this untouchable person right. who has it all figured out. Well, and, and the more people that we bring in, the more we can actually learn from right. and grow. So it benefits ourselves. But I, I, I think at the crux of that is you know, what we are conditioned to seeing is perfection. You know, if, when we look at Hollywood, when we look at social media, social media, yeah. when we look at all these people that are in the spotlight, you know, it's all about, you know, how they're the best, how they got to be the best. And, and, you know, very rarely, and with social media, we almost don't have to show the chinks in our armor, right. you know, so you don't get an actual real sampling of that person's experience, you're only seeing the highlight right. reel. You're only seeing the story that they're crafting right. that will sell more books or book more um, appearances yeah. or, or whatever, right? <clears throat> and I think that that, that drives a, a false narrative that we, then ourselves, try to emulate. Yeah. Um, and then and then from like the the, the macho rah 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 side, you know, I mean, failure is not. A sexy thing to talk about right. you know I mean if we go back and we look at you know historically one of the you know one of the most looked up to people groups you know were, were the Spartans were like failure was not an option weakness was not an option right. you know and it's like well yeah that's cool man and you know what it's super impressive what they accomplished but uh, I don't see a lot of Spartans these days right <laughs> it's right. not sustainable right. it's like right. you can only be that hardcore for so long right. with, before the system breaks down. And I think, I think what is stronger is, you know, <laughs> standing the test of time, which you're acknowledging when you're weak, you acknowledge where you're, when, when you fail right. and then you, and you continue on beyond that. You know, the, we, we, uh, same thing, man, where we look at like in, in ancient Japanese culture where, you know, if you lost in battle, you were so dishonored that you, you know, committed suicide right. because of it. And it's like, I, I don't know that that's better. I mean, it just makes me think of the office right. where Michael Scott says, and like in Japanese culture, to avoid embarrassment, you always commit suicide. Yeah, um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, like Harry Carey or, or Spook or whatever. I mean, that was right. a real thing. Like, right, you know, you right. dishonored in battle. And it's like, man, there's a part of me that's like, dude, that is so hardcore. But then, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's better. Well, I think that, that there, again, going back to my, my pastor journey, um, whenever I would hear preachers, you know, paint their lives as these perfect, 
models of what it looks like to be this amazing you know godly person and you know every story they told was them succeeding and winning and you know they were telling all these stories about all the people that they impacted and influenced and every time i'd hear the stories i'm like well th- well great i guess i can't ever be that like right. i guess i could never be a preacher yeah, I'm because out. i can't do that right. like if that's what it means to be a preacher then like i'm out um, but when I would hear preachers talk about their failings and their struggles and their weaknesses and how they didn't have the perfect marriage and perfect home life and how they didn't, you know, blah, 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 blah. I was like, OK, like this is an attainable thing that I actually can do. And so if you ever heard me preach, like you would hear me talk about my failings and times I struggle all the time because that's normal. Like that that relates to the common man because we all fail. We all struggle. We all are imperfect. And so, okay, I can relate to that. And then they want to get on board. I, I thought that all you did was win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> I did too. I, I thought that's what – I mean especially pastors. I, I mean, did too. I thought, you know, Until I had one boxing lesson with Josh. Ooh. I was like, no, I do not like, win wait at all. Wait a minute. You know what, man? I, I think, I think you're, this is going to really level up your 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 passering game because you have so many more analogies that you can oh, toss in 100%. i mean there's so much there's so many cool like fighting boxing type yeah. things that you can you can weave in yeah because now yeah. it's personal and it's not just coming from like the latest rocky movie right right yeah. you you yeah. you you can speak to it yeah. and that you know that's a whole nother topic but for me you know even as an athlete i i didn't want to learn from the guy who was just a natural athlete and just picked it up and got it and was just good in sp- you know no matter right. what I-, I wanted to find the people who who struggled and they had to scratch and claw to get to where they were at right. because that felt more real to me it's like yeah. you know what dude i'm not you know i i i don't necessarily have the gifts that you have and that if that's what your success was predicated upon well i guess i'm out right but i can look over here and i can see this guy that you know, has some of the same trappings. And, and and if I can see that, oh, well, that guy was able to get to where he's at, then that gives me hope yeah. to say that, oh, I can I can have some measure of success too. Right. And I think we as humans being able to realistically visualize and see ourselves doing something is important. Right. You know, it, if it's intangible, right, and you say, hey, this is this is a mountain, climb that mountain. No one's ever climbed that mountain before. You're like, oh my gosh, that, I, I'm pretty sure I can't do that. Right. But then you know, you watch someone climb that mountain. You're like, oh okay, uh, that that seems right. that seems way more tangible to right. me. You know, I, I think that's important in finding those people, yeah. surrounding yourself with those people, giving you the confidence to do that. I think is important, and that's and that's you know, going back to the League of Savage Gentlemen. I think that's what I really hope this thing becomes. It's a collection of people from different walks of life, different experiences that have done certain things that we can all see. Oh, okay, man, this guy did that and this guy did that. Like, all right, man, that's not right. that's not such a crazy thought after yeah. all. It's the four minute analogy four minute mile analogy. You know, yeah. like it was impossible to do can't, it. Can't be done. And then once it happened, everybody Everyone did, it, did you know? it. Yep. So that's that's and it, it, going back to calling, if we if we really say that calling is this lifelong epic big thing you know i mean if it's this this um i don't know it's this big thing that that is part of our lifelong journey it's this epic thing 
Um, and it, and we really believe that it is, it is an external thing. Like, like part of my calling is for me to take what's inside of me and make the world around me better. That's part of it. I, I think for me, I think that should be another criteria for calling. Well, I is think it's that, an that out- should be kind of everybody's calling. I think we all have some capacity to influence the world right. around us for better. There has to be an outward focus to the calling. Um, and if that is true, then everything we just talked about only enables that to happen more. When we, when we admit to humility, when we admit to failings, when we admit to being more human, that brings other people in, which allows us to impact them more, which allows more outward focus of our calling, which continues the cycle of this is really about impacting the world around me in a much bigger way than I can do by myself. And it just continues that cycle of being able to do that more and more and more, the more people we let into our journey. So from that, you know, so we figured out our calling, right? We, we understand that that calling, we may shift, it may change. It may not be exactly what we thought it was going to be and that's okay. But what are the red flags to kind of, before we go too far off the rails, what do we need to be looking for so we can kind of stay in that in that pathway, right? Stay in that groove. I mean, we, we may chip out from side to side, but it's like we don't want to just completely completely jump track, right? So what what in your experience, we've answered the call, how do we continue to follow it? What do we need to look for? I mean, I think going back, I think it is part of it is does it does it bring you life? And so as it brings you life, um, continuing to realize, okay, this is obviously something that breathes life into me. So yes, it lines up with my calling. So you kind of continue. I think accountability is a giant part of it. Um, we can't do this thing alone. Like we, we're not made to do this life alone. We can't do this life alone. We need people in our world to, that can help us along the journey so that we do stay right here. Yeah, we're all going to like go a little bit here and there throughout our lives because no one is perfect, but we need those people that can bring us back into true north. We need those people that bring us back into alignment with what we know we're supposed to be doing. So I think accountability and community is a huge, huge thing. Um, we live in a society that community is not a natural part of our society. Um, you know, the phrase like it, when you have kids, it takes a village. Um, well, that's because back in the day it did, like you had a village of people to help you to do this. And now we live in a world where that's like non-existent and it's actually shameful. If you're a mom and you need help with your four kids, you should be able to do this all on your own, um, which is ridiculous because for, for all of human history, you had all of these people around you, extended family, cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents and all these people helping you raise your children. Um, I think that just shows us that community is part of us being able to not only survive, but thrive. Like mm-hmm. we have to have that around us. And so when you look at your calling to keep you from going off the rails, I think that's a huge part of it is that accountability and community piece to keep you where you know you need to be. I think that's huge. It, but th- but then that takes you like stepping out and audibly Admitting. saying, say, hey, this is what, well, number one, hey guys, this is what I'm going after. Right, right. right? Like you have to say that. And, and it's sometimes we're afraid to because, you know, if I tell people what I'm doing and I'm not quite getting there yet. Like, I mean, telling my, my parents that I wanted to be a professional fighter, like that was, they're like, um, yeah, okay, cool story. <laughs> right. But I mean, you've got a teaching degree, right? Like that's the smart play. Like that's nice. That that's a nice fun hobby. You know, you can do that. But I mean, 
work a full-time teaching job. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Get and, a real and, job, kid. Well, and, and, and <laughs> conventional wisdom would say, like, that is that is the smart play, right? But it wasn't where my heart was. Right. You know, and so for me to just come right out and say, no, I'm going to be a professional fighter. I'm going to set this other stuff on the shelf meant that, okay, man, well, you got to put up and shove. And I right. felt a ton of pressure to perform, right. you know, because it's like, well, I mean, yeah, you can, anybody can be a professional fighter. Like I could pay you a hundred bucks to fight me right now, <laughs> get it signed by the commission. And guess what? You're a, you're a pro fighter, fighter now. But to actually make a living doing that is a whole different story. And again, going back to those benchmarks, right? I needed to validate. I felt this, you know, this this really strong need to validate myself as a fighter. Right. It wasn't enough that I was doing it. It's like I had to achieve this measure of success. So it's scary to put that, especially if it's a lofty goal, to put that out there because now now we're up for scrutiny and judgment. Like, oh, I thought you said you're going to be a fighter. Well. How many fights have you won? Yeah. When's the last time you had a fight? Yeah. That kind of stuff, and and, and that prevents us that that outside. So, you know, I guess that's to say we need to have the right one. We need to stand up and say, hey, this is what I'm doing, and then we have to say that to the right people right. who aren't going to beat us down, who aren't going to be naysayers, yeah. who are going to lift us up, and who are going to, you know, and 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 with my family when they saw like, oh no, okay, he's serious about this. Then it was, you know, full speed ahead. They right. were supportive and, yeah. you know, arguably my biggest fans. But, you know, then that first bit, they're like, ah, that just seems stupid because why are you going to get punched in the face when you can, you <laughs> right. know, have job security? Right. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't, yeah, no, doesn't I compute. No, yeah, I, I think there there is a, a scary aspect to that um, because that's just human nature. Like when we are about to, you know step out of the boat into the unknown um it's scary like it's scary to admit to the fact that i'm going after this thing and i have no idea how it's going to play itself out but that's what i'm doing yeah, yeah. That, that's a scary thing to admit and so a lot of us don't do it mm -hmm. i mean a lot of us you know live our whole lives without ever actually claiming and entering into what we are made to do um, you know, I think it's great. That hard. is the biggest tragedy tragedy of life, in right. my opinion. I mean, the human condition is someone who doesn't step into that role. Well, yeah, I think I think it's the Braveheart quote that every man dies, but not every man really lives. Mm -hmm. Like it's that idea that that so many people walk through life and they never enter into that thing that that sets a fire inside of them, that makes them come alive, that they were made to do. Um, and that is, it's it's a tragic way to live. You know, it's a tragic way to be. 50 and living, but you died 17 years ago, yeah. you know, cause you never entered into what you were made to do. Um, and whether it's out of fear or whether it's out of lack of support or, or whatever it is, um, we need to be a people, um, who are in communities that we can help each other step into what they're made to do. And, and maybe, you know, if that is one of the things that comes out of you know, the league of savage gentlemen for some of you guys is that like people around you help point you and guide you and encourage you into that thing you're made to do and you come alive like you've never come alive before then man that's a freaking success you know that's a home run that's, oh, that's a, a win absolutely huge win because so many people miss that and it's so sad to me when i see it um when people miss that thing that fire that's inside of them and i, I want to be part that's part of my pastoral calling it's helping people to see what that is in your life, what that is in your journey, step into that fully and run with it, whatever it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. Uh, just know what that is and go for it. And let's. And I, I'll have your back. 
the whole way and let's make this thing happen because we need people, we need more men, especially more men who are fully living in what they're made to do. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the beauty, the beautiful part is it's actually, it's never too late Yeah. to do that. I mean, as long as you're, you, as long as your heart is still beating, right. I mean, you can be, you can be well into, um, you know, middle life and pick up something new to challenge you like boxing. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, you, you don't have to. You don't have to, you know, say, well, you know what? I missed that yeah. boat. You're never too far gone. You're never too far never. gone. I mean, I think that's something that we also, it's like, oh man, you know what? I always wanted to be a, be a, you know, world traveling fly fisherman, but <laughs> right. you know what, man, it's like, I'm 54 years old and right. it's like, that could still happen. Yeah. You know, um, we, we, we have that capacity if that is our calling. And I think, I think when we are in that thing, stuff starts falling into place when yeah. we are in that sweet spot that we're supposed to be. Right. It's amazing, you know, how the pieces will come together, not necessarily the way you thought they would, but man, if you're doing the right thing, I think that, you know, I, I personally, I believe that the doors will open and, and the path will be shown. Yeah. You know, if you commit to it and actually go that yeah, route. Absolutely. Man, we talked about a lot of cool stuff. We even quoted Braveheart. Did quote Braveheart and quoted The Office. Like that's a pretty that's, that's a, a solid podcast. Pretty solid man. day right I don't, there. I don't yeah. know, man. This is gonna be a tough act to follow. <laughs> um, I, you know that's that's pretty close to being time. Um, I, I think that's a good thing to leave it to leave it with Jr. Um, you know, first of all, if you guys want to follow Jr. and see what he's up to, Jr. Baker, thirteen. 13 on the Instagram you're doing you're doing um Instagram stories insta pastor what do you call yeah. it insta pastor insta pastor that insta pastor life so yeah. basically I'm just trying to use insta stories um like just little nuggets where I can like challenge people encourage you um help people process things really just kind of throw out stuff to people that um, impact them in any any kind of way and, and it's been cool seeing the responses and people sending me messages and like that's exactly what I needed to hear today or thank you for that because I haven't been challenged with that you know in a long time I needed it and um, but they're just little digestible nuggets because you know how we all are like we for the most part we suck at sitting down and listening to something for a long period of time so these are just little nuggets that help people along the way and so it's um, it's good stuff man it's it's very uplifting it's like yeah okay and it's very digestible which i think people appreciate yeah um what's interesting though is like you know for a preacher you're not super preachy that's good, that's good. you know like good. like well, like wait a minute <laughs> You know, the thing is, though, I think if you're really good at your job, people can't be sure that you've actually done anything at all. That's it's true. It's you very know? true. It's no, like, yeah. You're like, wait a minute. Did I did I just did I just go to church? Like, what happened? Did he just preach a sermon? Man. That's, wow. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and that's, you know, sometimes and this is probably a whole nother podcast, <laughs> but we have this preconceived notion of like what what is and what isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. And oh, yes. Right. So. Anyway, we'll, we'll save that for another one. Um, JR is going to be around quite a bit. You'll be seeing a lot more of him. Um, go check him out, JR Baker 13 um, Drop him a line, man. And, and guys in the league especially, feel free to reach out. He's in there. If you have a specific thing that you want to go over, that you need some guidance on, I mean, he's he's a wealth of knowledge. So I'm put. I'm just tossing you out there. Sorry. Thank you. Appreciate it. No, um, blow him up. Life. Yeah, yeah, just just slide right in those DMs. <laughs> Um, with anything that you need, he'll sort you out. He'll fix all your problems. Yep. 
Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Um, no, man, I, I really appreciate looking forward yeah. to going on this journey, you know, teaching you the more savage life. Really, this is just as much for me as it is for you. Like, I'm learning a, a heck of a lot. Um, and I think that's what it's all about, man. Yeah. Getting getting like-minded individuals, you know, getting us men together and, and you know, ironing, sh- iron sharpening iron, that whole mantra. Yeah. You know, it's kind of cliche, but there is truth to it. So and, much truth to it. Um, yeah, that, that's what we want to do here. So, for everyone tuning in, thanks so much. We'll see you next time. JR, appreciate it, buddy. My man, thank you.